listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Featuring our podcast, One More Thing. Get more info at armstrongandgetty.com. So this is a list of the 50 greatest Western movies ever made. As compiled by whom? Uh, Keith Phipps. I believe it's from Vulture magazine. Okay. Ah, Vulture, a great uh, website, a great uh, culture website, yeah. So I was just thinking the other day that uh, it is a parenting mistake that my... Oh, that's when we were t- talking about whether or not I ought to show Rocky to my son, which I haven't yet. Um, but he's never seen a Western. God, oh, my gosh. And I loved Westerns as a kid. And I was just trying to think, where would I start? What would be a good... The Mandalorian. Way to- I love him as an adult. Yeah. Well, interesting you should bring that up, Sean. They do some writing uh, here. The Western is a vital genre with the habit of reinventing itself every few years that doubles as a way to talk about America's history while reflecting on its present. A strand of violent, psychologically complex Westerns that appeared in the 50s, for example, captures both changing attitudes toward the settlement of the West and the treatment of Native Americans while channeling the spirit of a country still recovering from a devastating World War II. Well, fighting like native that. Italians, it was often Italians that were the Indians. Right, yeah. Oh, uh, Clint Eastwood says we've only invented two kinds of art in America that are original to America, jazz and Western movies, hmm. which I think may be true. Who said that? Clint Eastwood, who's a big fan of both. We don't get rock and roll? Direct what? growth out of, like, jump blues. Why wouldn't we get rock and roll? I don't know. Movie tradesman. Uh, Well, we get blues, too, right? We get that whole thing. Sure. This article actually uh, throws comic books into that mix as well. Yeah, what about that? Anyway, um, (laughs) (laughs) that's the point of the podcast. The list of the 50 greatest Westerns reflects the wide legacy from the very first entry, a film directed by a Hungarian and starring a Tasmanian. It's been assembled, however, working from a fairly wow, traditional... Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> Not a Tasmanian devil. Oh, okay. <laughs> Idiot. I was probably racist against Tasmanians. It's been assembled working from a fairly traditional definition of the Western. Films set along the American frontier of the 19th and uh, first years of the 20th century. That means no modern Westerns, no stealth okay. Westerns starring aged X-Men. Well, that takes mine off the list. I was going to go with 9 to 5 as my favorite Western. <laughs> No space westerns with blasters instead of pistols. Dang we it. did, however, make an exception for a certain comedy that concludes with its stars attending its own premiere. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Um, and they say we left off a lot of great westerns. Um, obviously. So what are you going to do? You going to do the top ten, or what are you going? I don't know. I could flip through, see if anything I know. So should we uh... throw out our favorites before you hit the list, or oh, after? Yeah. Why not? If I was going to name my top number one, name a couple. Go ahead. In the top would be absolutely the original True Grit is is at the top of my list, very close. So, um, but to me, huge trade up from Glenn Campbell to Matt Damon in the updated True. I love the the new True Grit. Still does love not make it. up for the trade down you you can't avoid by getting away from John Wayne because he's just freaking unbelievable. Um, wow, the dude disputes you. That's just like your opinion, man. And Robert Duvall, oh, that's such a good movie. Yeah, oh. Fill your hands, you son of a bitch. Yep. Man, that's a good movie. Yep. Call that bold talk for a one-eyed fat man, <laughs> says Robert Duvall. <laughs> oh, that's a good movie. Yes. I get chills thinking about it. I love, I've never uh, yeah. watched that yep. scene and not gotten chills. I love them both. So you're just going to name that one, or? Yeah, be I got to troll around a couple. Of Outlaw them. Josie Wales with Clint Eastwood. Um, I tried to watch the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly the other night with Judy. We were both all excited about it. It was boring. Slow just pace, man. Boring. Slow pace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of mugging for the camera. Just like, look how amusing he is. It's like, yeah, I get it. 
Uh, anyway. Uh, it's not car chases, that's for certain. For me, I'd, I'd have to throw out Unforgiven. Uh, oh, yeah. Speaking of Clint, um, which I've seen so many times. Uh, 310 to Yuma with uh, Russell Crowe. I've not seen that. Oh, my. Excellent It's movie. devastating. So good. And, um, and I could probably babble on for quite some time, but I'll end up with the man who shot Liberty Valance, John Wayne and uh, Jimmy Stewart. Brilliant. Is Blazing Saddles on there? Why don't you uh, stay tuned, Michael? Uh, is that you want to? You throwing that one out there? Sean? Yeah. Any? Uh... Uh, the, the Red River always stuck out mm-hmm. in my mind mm-hmm. as as Good one movie. of the a classic western that I just absolutely loved. And uh, I don't know if this makes the list. It was a series on Netflix in 2017. It's called Godless. Stars Jeff Daniels. It, uh, no series. Similar to Three Ten to Yuma, it is uh, a great modern day telling of a western, yeah. traditional western. Style thing, really good, really. Good. I, I, you know what? I don't know. I don't think there are any series on here because if there were, they'd have to include Lonesome Dove. Well, oh, oh yeah. yeah, there are a bunch of John Wayne movies, and he plays the same person in every movie, so it's yes. kind of like a series. For instance, <laughs> here's here's the Shootist. Yeah, the Shootist is number great. Yeah. His last movie, which he's dying yeah, of cancer right. and does a movie about a gunfighter dying of cancer. Right, really. Right. Blazing Saddles happens to be next at uh, at thirty eight. See, at the end, Ron Howard, who idolizes this famous gunslinger, throws away the gun after <sighs> shooting a man right before John Wayne dies, so John Wayne knows he isn't going to become a gunfighter like me. Oh, thank oh man. Ron Howard will grow up to be Opie. Yep. Broke the cycle. Comforting. Mm-hmm. He's going to grow up to be Opie. <laughs> Yeah, I'm throwing out Tombstone. Where is that, Joe? Uh, I don't know. The Magnificent oh, Seven, Jack. Good movie. Oh, I know you love the Magnificent oh, that, Seven. Oh, sorry. That might be my favorite of all time. That's at number three. So we got to go. We got to. We got to slow down here. So Tombstone, freaking fantastic. Hall of Fame mustaches in that movie. <laughs> That's a very, very good movie. Yeah, I'm not. Have I seen that one? I don't Val know. Kilmer is Doc Holliday one of the, on the short list oh. of single best performances I've ever seen. Lana Flem. Lana Flem. Too much Flem. I'm your Huckleberry. That's mm-hmm. one of the great all time ones. Yeah. Um, and then you mentioned after, oh, the Magnificent, the Magnificent Seven. Seven yeah. Boy, the the star studded cast in that one: Steve McQueen, Yul Brenner, Charles Bronson, James Coburn, one of the uh, baddest badasses in movie history. Now we are seven, says Yul Brenner. <laughs> Doing some excellent counting, which was his specialty. <laughs> Boy, a bunch of stuff I've never heard of. The A Bullet for the General. Don't know that one. 1966. Uh, the Outlaw Josie Wales. Mm. 29. Flippin' the Oxbow Incident. Oh, that's really good. Henry Fonda, Harry Morgan. Outlaw Josie Wales has my favorite line from Clint Eastwood. Buzzards got to eat, same as a worm. Yep. I've used that line <laughs> for a few dollars more. There What's you go. Mean? Oh, oh the, uh, the they shot a guy, and uh, the outlaw say, we got to bury him. And uh, Clint says, buzzards got to eat, okay. same as a worm. Gotcha. Yeah. Why bother? Uh, for your true grit, there it is, 25. The original? The original. Okay. Yeah, buddy. Uh, I don't know if I've actually ever seen the original. Oh, it's so good. I should do that. <laughs> Glenn Campbell is so terrible. It's oh, yeah. hilarious. It really, it's a shame he's in it. <laughs> Whale of a guitar player. Terrible actor. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's get to the top 20. Well, 21 is a fistful of dollars. We'll start right there. Ooh, have you mentioned Rio Grande? Probably not yet. We're into the top 21 here, Jack. Okay. Uh, fist... I, I thought of that because that's got Ricky Nelson, also a singer in it. Yeah. But he's not embarrassing oh, in the movie. Oh, my God. The way yeah, Dean, Rio Martin, Grande. Dean Martin's in it, too. Oh, I love that movie. Oh, yep. so good. Yep. A fistful of dollars, which made uh, Clint Eastwood a star in 64. She wore a yellow ribbon. 1949, John Wayne, John Ford, 
Dean Martin doesn't exude cowboy the way that a lot of these other people do. You, you, you wouldn't think so. He was brilliant. But he, really, he plays well, a he plays a degenerate drunk. He's trying desperately okay. to dry out as the town is under threat, and oh, I have to check he's that out. That sounds humiliated good. and discouraged, and hands shaking, and John Wayne stands by him, and oh, it's unbelievable. Uh, Shane, nineteen fifty three. Ooh, that's a good one. Come back, Shane. Mm, there it is. 310 to Yuma in the 18th spot. Wow. It's so good. Oh, my God. It's about a dad doing the right thing, even though it'll probably kill him because his son is watching him. It's devastating. Huh. Oh, my God. Uh, 17, high noon. Great. Uh, 16, 40 guns. I don't know 40 guns from 1950. Seems like enough. It's plenty. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Guitar, 1954. Now, that one I've never even heard of. I've heard of 40 Guns. I don't know. Uh, Nicholas Ray's uh, Joan Crawford plays Vienna, a saloon owner who dominates mm-hmm. everyone she meets with her imperious attitude. It might be good. Sometimes you get into these lists, critics got to throw in something they've seen and you haven't. It's kind of the thing, but... Fiery Climax. Mm. My Darling Clementine from 1946 to 1914. Huh. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Oh, how did I miss that one? Please, are you kidding that me? That one I could watch with my son. That movie is so good with freaking... Paul Newman yes. and uh, Robert Redford, just so unbelievably good. Yeah, it's a film so charming, those stars help a lot, that its fatalism sneaks up on you. Spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah, that I remember, because I watched that as a kid, and that was a shocking ending. Yeah, sneaking Be- fatalism, yeah. Because it was <laughs> because it was so charming, and you got Paul Newman riding a bicycle, raindrops keep falling right? on my head. It doesn't fit with the ending that much. Not And they much. jump off that cliff into the water, you think we'll drown? <laughs> drown, hell, the fall's going to kill you. Right. Twelve, the good, bad, and the slow-paced. 1966. <laughs> What do I know? I tried to watch it, and it just—I like it. But you have to be—you have to be not modern patience for a drama. Sometimes it plays like the like the western is opera, building arias of violence and suspense with editing time to the rhythms of Ennio Morricone's score. Yeah, yeah you didn't okay. appreciate Maybe I was that. In the wrong did you? mood. I'm an idiot. Clint Eastwood should probably pistol whip me at best. Maybe shoot me. Number eleven, the man who shot Liberty Valance, 1962. Love that movie so much. 10, Meeks Cutoff from 2010. Don't know it? When you come to the Meeks Cutoff, cut off your Meeks. From 2010. (laughs) Interesting. Survival on the Oregon Trail. Okay. It's the theme there. 9, The Naked Spur, 1953. Don't know it. That's porn, isn't it? Don't know it. Want to see my spur? That's just girls in cowboy hats. Number 8, there you go, Jack. Rio Bravo. 1959. Number 8 for Rio Bravo. Yeah. There you go, Sean. That'd be worth, uh, if you're going to pick one of those movies we recommend it, if it's number 8. I'll have to check that. Yeah. so good. 1969's The Wild Bunch, in at number huh? 7. I don't think I've seen it end-to-end. If I had, I've forgotten. But um, 100% score for Rio Bravo on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. That's rare. It's it's that good. Um, uh, And, and you, you see why Angie Dickinson was a sex symbol. Oh, yeah. Too, oh, my God. In the 60s. Oh, my God. Hello. Uh, number six, Red River from 1948, uh, back to um, Howard, oh, a Howard Hawks Western with John Wayne. Number five, McCabe and Mrs. Miller from 1971. I don't know that one. Do you? Is that a John Wayne? McCabe and Mrs. Miller, uh, Robert Altman. No. Warren Beatty plays McCabe, I a drifter and fast talker who falls in with and falls in love with Mrs. Miller, Julie Christie, a madam, who offers to improve business at his low rent brothel. They, uh, they really made being a whore. Uh, charming in your old timey westerns. Yeah, you were very mm. clean and pretty and uh, respectable and not smart. 
what it would have been like, I don't think. Yeah. God, it would have been gruesome. A lot of stinky, mouth-breathing gals who had given up on life. If yeah. that's your taste. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Number four. <laughs> he says, trying to rescue the podcast. <laughs> 1939's Stagecoach. I knew that was going to be in the top five, because if you're a critic and you don't put that in your top five, you get shot. Is there such a thing as a perfect movie? If not, Stagecoach comes pretty close. Uh, John Wayne is the Ringo Kid, fugitive from the law, etc., etc. A young John Wayne in that one. Your top three, Once Upon a Time in the West, 1968. That was the first movie her Sergio Leone made after the Dollars trilogy. Hmm. Um, minus his signature star, Charles Bronson, plays a gunslinger known only as Harmonica. I don't think I know You want to know movie. why? He plays on instrument. I'll give you a guess. <laughs> Uh, who is locked into a battle of wills with Frank, Henry Fonda, a merciless hired gun with whom Harmonica has a mysterious history. A Henry Fonda. Yeah, yeah. merciless hired gun. <laughs> <laughs> Two, losing out on the number one slot only because I think it's newer, Unforgiven, 1992. I really? mean, that's on the short list of great, greatest movies of sure, all time. Sure. I, mean, I think it may be a perfect movie. Yeah, it's phenomenal. It, it's, it's long as hell. Settle in. Um, Not for the kids. Not, oh, Lord. No, no Gene, not. Gene, Gene Hackman gives Clint Eastwood quite the kick in there. It's, oh. uh, that's, that's a gruesome scene. Well, you got, you got, uh, ladies of the evening getting slashed up. Oh, yeah, that's just right. Oh, yeah. People begging for their lives as they're, they're, they bleed out in the sun. And, yeah, that's, that's rough. Yeah, but, uh, it's, it's a story of redemption and hate and can you change really and no, oh, poisoned hogs, cruel lawmen. Hogs <laughs> are poison. They're they sick. got the fever. Yeah. Better separate them out with the others. Number one, it almost had to be, 1956, The Searchers. Yeah. John Wayne and John Ford. Um, just, you know, it's it's the all-time classic Western. The Searchers. As the comedian Dimitri says, the search party is the least fun party. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. You know, that's funny. I was going through my closet the other day, and I've often said, if I could leave one message with you people, and there have been quite a few, so obviously I can't pick one, (laughs) but it might be, do not spend lots of money on clothes when you're at your thinnest. (laughs) Please hear me. When I say this, oh, this is the new me. This is this is the size going forward. I look great, and I'm gonna spend hundreds of dollars right now. Boy, you know, I'm glad you're saying this because I'm kind of in that position right now. I lost ten pounds last year. I'm the lightest I've been in I don't know how long, um, like thirty years, and uh, so I'm thinking I got to get new clothes. Oh, I I legit need new clothes, but don't spend a lot of money because it's not gonna last. Hmm. Don't well, think this is the rest of your life. Back to the ideas of You're principles probably right. of Christianity. Some guy in the Goodwill store is going to be really happy you did that. Because he's going to get some great duds for practically nothing. Which Hardly supports some good programs. <laughs> Hardly worn at all. <laughs> yes, yes. Thanks for your optimism, Sean. Yeah. Worn maybe once, if at all. Oh, my favorite one of those? Uh, just gave them to uh, one of your charities. A pair of white golf pants. Bought myself some white golf pants. You watch the TV golf, the guys wear them all the time. They look great. Here's the deal. They're A, crazy rich. B, they get their clothes for free from their sponsors. Me, I'm A, an idiot. B, a a slob. And I know I can't be trusted, so I hesitated to wear those white pants. I just, 
you know, because I didn't want to get a mess. Once you stain them, you can't, you know, so I, I literally never wore them. I never wore so them. So that you wouldn't get them dirty, and I, then you wouldn't be able to wear them anymore. Exactly. <laughs> gotcha. And I tried to put them on the other day, and uh, nuh-uh, nuh-uh. Not unless I lose both ass cheeks in some <laughs> terrible accident am I ever going to get these pants on me. What machine would even do that? Well, right. It would have, you'd have to sit down on a, one of those slicers at the deli or something. I don't know. It's bloody terrible. But, uh, yeah, so I literally never donned those pants. So, uh, in keeping with the logic of I don't want to wear them because if I get them dirty, I won't be able to wear them. Yes. I, I for years carried around the perfect amount of change in my pocket that I had figured out. <laughs> Um, I had like a dime, a nickel, and two pennies or something. I'd figured right. out what the exact amount was so that if I'm ever, it's back when you paid cash for stuff. But if I ever bought anything, I would always have the amount you put on there so you don't get a handful of change back. Mm-hmm. And our old friend Tim, the sales guy, said to me, he said, you carry change every day so that you can avoid having to carry change sometimes. <laughs> I thought, I guess that makes sense. And I stopped. I, d- I had done that for years, <laughs> thinking I was so smart. That's a dollar, too. No problem. I have a dollar and two cents. You're not handing me 98 cents right. to carry around in my pocket. Like Please. a sucker. <laughs> like some sort of change beast of burden. That'll be 513. No problem. I got a dime and three pennies. As always. As always. <laughs> Every day. I'm ready for you. <laughs> what an idiot! Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. So we were talking about sea shanties. It looks like chanties, but it's pronounced shanties. The name of the ship was the pit to see. The name of the ship was a belly of tea. The winds blew up her bow, up down below my belly. This is the good part right here. Soon may the man come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. One day when the tonguing is done, we'll take our leave and go. <laughs> God, wrong key, Sean. I don't. I have no idea about keys, chords, harmonies. I don't know. I try though. I try. It's been so long since I've seen a girl. You're starting to look pretty good to me. <laughs> Yar, tis true. Uh, so uh, I guess that's the trend on TikTok: is people recording sea shanties and then singing harmonies to them. Of the rest course, of it. it is. <clears throat> hey, it's the so, thing that's getting traction these. 48 hours on the internet, it will change in 36 hours. COVID, you know, people are bored, I guess, but, uh, I, you know, I like that. That was a groovy song. I've never heard that one before, and it occurred to me, I've only heard, like, a couple of sea shanties, and I wonder if you're, like, a, uh, an old-timey sailor or a, you know, a sea shanty fan, you hear, what can you do with a drunken sailor? And it's like when I hear Stairway to Heaven, I'm thinking, oh, God. Come on now. And the, the, whoever says, Oh my God, I love that song. The grizzled old sailors are thinking, you're an idiot. <laughs> you know, you know, this sea shit is so overplayed. Yeah, so that song is called Wellerman. It's a New Zealand folk song that dates back to the mid 19th century with no discernible author. That kind of song is, uh, that primarily what it is? Sea shanty? That, that kind of. Yeah, I think that's what it's called. Yeah, that style of music. So you hear it every now and then. Like, um, Ed Sheeran's got one on his latest album, that style of song. And it's cool. It's yeah. About meeting a girl and whatever, but it sounds just like that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I've it, heard that song. It seems to have some parallel with like Irish drinking songs, yeah. but, um, I don't know if sure. those originated on ships in the first place. Who knows? 
Irish drinking songs, but you repeat yourself. <laughs> I get it. Wow, I that's that's ah. just flat bigotry right there. Canceled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're canceled. Get off the podcast. <laughs> Racist. Walk the plank. <laughs> Got this note from it Frank. It would have been miserable. Huh? Miserable in the best of circumstances to be on a boat for months at a time back in the old-timey days. The a hell of a lot harder and less comfortable work than almost anybody on the planet does. right. No, that's not true. Anybody in the Western world does right now. I can't even imagine months at a time on one of those ships... Uh, in the 1600s, 1700s, whatever, it would just been awful. Yeah. Oh, Micro ought to do that as a dirty job, huh? They'd Ooh. be loving him, dusk till dawn. Imagine one of the, being the, one of the first people to see like a giant sea squid and going back to your little village and trying to tell people what you saw and not sound like an insane person. Right. And or, you know, maybe you exaggerate just a little bit, then they exaggerate just a little bit, and that, that's how you end up with tales of sea monsters yeah. and horrifying beasts at the edge of the globe. Oh, God, you'd be cold, wet, and dirty the entire time. Seasick. Oh, my God. How often do you get to shower on this ship, Captain? (laughs) You know, it's 1740. I'm tired. How often do you what? No. (laughs) I'm tired of eating the same thing every day. And I have scurvy. Can we mix it up a little? When when do we have the boat drinks? <laughs> Yar, we're eating fish. This wasn't on the brochure. <laughs> and when do the girls come out? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got bad news for you. Yeah, they uh, they didn't make it. Uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, there's a problem with the gangplank, and it's all dudes again this voyage. That's what you told us last time. <laughs> So alert listener Frank sent this link along. Uh, there's a movie called Fisherman's Friends. It's a 2019 British rom-com. Uh, blah, 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 blah. The film is based on the true story. Of course, based on the true story can mean a lot of things. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a near literal retelling. It's 50-50 true. Or they found out the basic premise of something, then wrote a story. Um, but the film is based on a true story about Port Isaac's Fisherman's Friends, a group of Cornish fishermen who were signed by Universal Records and achieved a top ten hit with their debut album of traditional sea shanties. Hmm. That's interesting. What year did that happen? Uh, the movie? The, the uh, original. I don't know. Don't know. I don't know. Uh, the movie came story. out in 2019, so, but it doesn't give the timetable. Yeah, you've, you've ruined that. The premise for for years for me the whole based on a true story because that's the way texas chainsaw massacre starts or ends one of the two based on a true story and you're saying that's not that true <laughs> yeah remember it was the guy who was the uh the big guy in texas chainsaw massacre who said guys soon as the movie starts it's an act of fiction or a work of fiction, including the words, this story happened. That part is fiction. <laughs> There's no law That's that allowed. Says, <laughs> There's no law that says if the front, first page of my book says this story is true, that it's true. The the, uh, the TV show Fargo plays a little fast and loose with that, where the, the initial one was trying to keep the same tone of the, the Coen Brothers movie, which was, I believe, based on a true story. But the, the rest of their stuff, they, they're... Spun mm-hmm. out a whole cloth. They just say that at the beginning of each episode to give it that feel. Gotcha. Huh. Sure. Uh, which, again, is allowed. Uh, back to your question, Jack. I did a little clicking around. The Fisherman's Friends got their deal with Universal Music in 2010. They've been performing locally since 1995. Okay, I'll check that out. Probably on one of your streaming services. Yeah, essentially uh, an acapella group, but they now include their traditional name? simple instrumentation. Uh, the Fisherman's Friends. Okay. 
Uh, check it out, folks. I'm not kidding. I'm going on a, on a sea shanty uh, binge for the rest of the day. That, 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 I don't know. That put a little tap in my toe today. Your, your, your lack of uh, haircuts and everything like that, you could kind of pull off that whole, I just got off a boat look if you wanted to. It's a little, you got to be greasier, though, and, uh, and, and pull it back like into a ponytail. Maybe you get and, an eye patch. Oh, and yeah. you got way too many teeth. I mean, like, That's true. That's way true. too many. God, what was I watching the other night wherever it was kind of an older documentary and everybody's teeth looked so terrible compared to today? I remember mm-hmm. it was. But no, it wasn't that long ago. It was like interviewing older people in the 70s and stuff like that. Their teeth were horrifying compared to now what it is. You know, anybody that's on TV now, you got the perfect teeth. But... Well, horrifying, that's a strong word. No, I mean, I mean they it was have hard three inch long fangs because that would be horrifying. It was pretty hard to look at. They were just so b- brown to gray and gnarled. I've become accustomed to everything being perfect all the time. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, did you put braces on all your kids? Um, I think I think both of the girls, quote unquote, needed them. Did they actually need them or just by modern uh, standards? What the hell do I know? I, I really like my dentist. He's a great guy. I've never even in the slightest thought he was trying to upsell us or. Or anything like that. Um, and he recommended it pretty strongly, and we went to see the orthodontist. But is it 20% a scam, half a scam, 10%? I don't know. Well, I have a feeling that my kids will get braces like most of their friends have or are going to also, just because yeah. everybody feels like they got to have perfect teeth all the time. It's really yeah. expensive. but um, Probably more so now than ever in the whole selfie projecting your own brand right. out there sort of well it, it just world it it, it it made me realize watching the show now i'm to the point where if i see normal teeth i'm horrified normal teeth like this is what teeth are supposed to look like i see them on tv and it's like oh look how gray those teeth are well and it's you weird. don't want to be party to something if it's unhealthy but if you know your your kid grows up and they go to take a job uh, apply for a job and they got summer teeth and and that puts off the the hiring person. Then well, you that's have normal bad. teeth. Teeth don't grow normally perfectly straight. Nobody's no. do. Nope. But do I want to miss to miss out on any enjoyment in life because I took a stand for crooked teeth? I mean, right? It's a hell of a cause. It's a heck of a hill to die on. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, true story. Grandma, when I was four years old, she said she could do a magic trick. Then she pulled out her teeth. I was four. <laughs> I was freaked out. <laughs> oh, boy. I guess did that's it. Did you scream, it. or what did you do? Yeah, I think I did. I think I cried. It's like it's like the old joke, I bet you 10 bucks I can bite my eye. Guy plucks out his... Oh, jeez. <laughs> wow. His, his glass eye, and he, and he bites it. Then he bets the guy, I tell you what, I'll bet you $100 I can bite my other eye. And the guy tosses him a, a glass, and the guy catches it. So he realizes, okay, he's not totally blind. I'll bet you that 100 bucks. He can't bite your other eye. So the guy takes out his false teeth. <laughs> bites his eye. That's pretty funny. Okay, That's a fine way to make friends, and I hope he bought around. And you only got to lose an eye and all your teeth to be able to pull that off yourself. Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. to the best of the Armstrong and Getty show. Armstrong and Getty. I remember when smartphones first really caught on, we talked on the A&G show about 
parents constantly tracking their kids' locations and whether that was a good idea or not. Yeah, and I have uh, friends who are very good people I like. Um, couldn't like them more. But I was uh, kind of interested uh, and astounded when I found out, like, the, for their college student, they would sit there and say, oh, they must have gotten out of class earlier, early because they're headed over to the... And this is in another city. Whoa, watching their whoa, college whoa. student that's like, hey, they left the dorm, they must be headed over to uh, science class, but they don't have science class today, they have that tomorrow, so it must be a lab or something, you know? Wow. Just, just watching the every movement and I speculating am... what their college kid is up to as they watch them. Do these people talk to their children? But why? I have multiple issues with this. I thought we were going to talk about children. No, it's college student. Yeah. Wow. I don't, I don't want, uh, that, that bothers me on a couple levels. I mean, you do whatever you want, but number one, they're an adult, sort of, kind of. They're doing the college thing. They need the freedom to bang around, make bad decisions, feel the repercussions, and, and just, and secondly, I don't want the responsibility. Wouldn't it only drive you crazy? Yes. I, I, tr- yes. Tell me a plus side that would come out of that as the parent. One positive that would come out of that. I could catch my kid in a lie. You just spent, where is that? They, they've been there all night long. That's not where they live. That's weird. I, I better what... call them. <laughs> and I'm sure that happens. Maybe it's because I'm an independent. Wait a cuss, second. But... The next night, they're at a different place that's not their home. What all is night. going on? That's very weird. Once my kids were capable of flight, I said, fly. Go ahead. If you need help, let me know. I don't know. God, the whole hovering over the kids, the helicopter parent thing. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something, but, uh, yeah, high schoolers, hmm, you've got terrible judgment in a lot of cases. I'm speaking about myself. Armed with the capability to really do harm, and they are under your roof. Yeah, I could see it. I could see it. I, I still think kids have to, you know, it's a whole, uh, uh, how do you make good decisions? Wisdom. How do you get wisdom? Bad decisions. I mean, you can't interfere with that cycle. Boy, I don't know. I was just thinking about it. My, my initial reaction was, yeah, I will do that. Um, it's after school, and you tell me you and your buddy are going to go do this, and you're somewhere else. Um, but on the other hand, don't you only get to play that card like once? Hmm. In, unless yeah. you're gonna, unless you're gonna make it mandatory that they carry their phone with them. I mean, at that point, you're 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 <laughs> putting an unbreakable tracking device on them. I mean, because right. the first time you bust them on it, it's they'll over. Just go to Jim's house where they claim to be playing video games. They'll drop off their phones. Then they'll go yeah. to the whatever. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I just too much surveillance is too much surveillance. If you have some kid on the edge, I guess, I don't know, maybe they've gotten busted a couple of times and you've told them one more time, blah, blah, blah. You know, do what's best for you. Obviously, the one-size-fits-all advice is no good no matter who it's coming from, including us. But uh, college kids, oh, I, I hate that idea. Just hate it. I sure as hell would have hated it had us a college student. I would have gotten really, really creative about how to evade those systems. Well, you do have one, uh, you have one clear way out of that, by the way. Uh, that would have worked for me. I have a job and have my own phone. Um, so my parents have no way to track me. There you go. Yeah. Uh, or I thought you were going to say smash it with a hammer. So, <laughs> so but anyway, uh, my wife is on a long road trip with a friend 
uh, helping her out, and uh, we decided, she decided, she suggested, do you want to enable each other's locations so you can track where I am? Because I told her I'm going to be really worried about you. They're driving many, many miles. Um, and I said, give me lots of updates on where you are and what progress you're you're making and if the weather's okay and the rest of it. And she said, well, I will, but you want to turn on a, our location devices. And I said, wow, yeah, cool, let's do it. So I did. Well, is that a clever way of tracking you? Or yeah, her I can't track- believe you just walked right into yeah, that track. Yeah, that, was, that was pretty well played on uh, Judy's a, part. It's the giant cartoon sucker is all she saw. <laughs> you know, at this point, Sean, I am the uh, I am the dog that can be let off leash. I am so thoroughly domesticated, there's no need anymore to, uh, to put the uh, collar around my neck. Just staring at the can of food, she'll be back eventually. <laughs> exactly. Standing by the door waiting, waiting. Waiting, waiting, like my codependent dog. Yeah, I'm talking to you, Baxter, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> he is so codependent. He, We were his third guardian or owner. The first several years of his life, I think, were not cool. Oh. Um, there are there are some signs of that. And, and his first family was going to take him to a kill shelter. If he didn't get adopted, um, you know, they'd put him down. And and he's a, he's really an amazing dog in a lot of ways. Do you but, lord that over him on a regular basis? Well, do I need to tell you a story once no, again no, of a young God, puppy is, I knew? That is so perverse. <laughs> that is so sick. But so this nice lady who worked with the original family that couldn't keep him said, you're not sending that dog to a kill shelter. I'm going to adopt him. I'm going to figure out what to do with him. But she had a small house and worked two jobs. So she would leave him alone in the uh, uh uh, garage slash small backyard for like twelve hours no. every day. Yeah, and he's so a he's, high energy, uh, high energy dog too, isn't? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's half a herder and half a lab. Um, and so yeah, and he just hated that. He got no mental stimulation. The rest of it, I think it's it's made him a little psycho. But, mm. So he would. He's still we, a good dog. Oh, he's a great dog. But we didn't want him to be bored when we were when Judy and I were both working. So we'd. Uh, put him out in the backyard we got a nice big backyard and so he could run around chase squirrels sniff around lay in the sun whatever but we discovered that he would stand at the gate waiting for us to pull in the driveway Mm. the whole day i would come home it'd be cold and pouring rain and he would be sitting there at the gate a drowned rat and he had a doghouse he had a bed he had a whole covered patio but he'd stand there at the gate waiting had a nintendo switch <laughs> a little fridge full of whatever beverage you want a library of amusing literature <laughs> in both english and french exactly um and and he would just sit there huh. and wait so anyway so we'd let him stay in the house and he turns out to be fine but he sleeps all day like his uh, buddy me but anyway so uh, i'm tracking my wife now, as if she is a migrating, oh, you know what? I almost said a animal that I should not have said. It's I'm a podcast. Tra- it's fine. I'm tracking her. No, no, no. I'm tracking her like a migrating gazelle, like a sleek, beautiful, lithe gazelle. Lithe. That's a good word. Thank you. I almost picked a different beast that's not so lithe, and I realized the mistake in my ways. Wow, she's way south. Okay. So okay. okay, all right. Yeah, she's uh, she's on uh, I five, Interstate five in California. I think you should drop. A, I think you should go park in the parking lot of a strip club for like an hour <laughs> as you watch you news know. on your phone. Do you now? <laughs> yeah, she's uh, almost a beautiful uh, Hanford, Visalia, California. That's nice, making some fine progress.
Making good time. Making good Drive time. Carefully. Drive she's, over to Nevada, uh, park in the parking lot of a brothel. She's probably in the right lane behind a slow-moving vehicle and not passing for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> are we going to let them determine our speed the entire trip, or are you going to go around them? Ah, there we go. Thanks for taking a shift driving, but it's causing me more stress than driving. My kids are familiar with my, that person doesn't have the guts to pass anybody, do they? The person that's front front of me who's behind somebody who's slow. They right. just don't have the guts to pass someone, no matter how slow they go. That person should not be driving. <laughs> yeah, it's either then guts I or do just... the double pass if I want to. Right, exactly. It's either lack of guts or just pass passivity. I don't know. Parking a strip club for an hour. If I'm parked in a strip club for an hour, I'm going in the strip club. You. Which takes the fun out of the gag. Um, you. What are you going to deny living to exotic dancers, especially during the time of COVID? That's a good you point. You slap the uh, the tips out of their hands? Did strip clubs stay open during this, or are they closed? I know in some places they were called essential businesses. Because which, of what? Because uh, bars guys, have been closed. Uh, I don't know. Why would they be an essential business? Under what category? They serve Wasn't food. Athleticism? Oh, that's it. They yeah. serve food. Oh. Yeah. And they exhibit an art. Art galleries are open. Exactly. Are they? I don't even know. I don't, I don't even know what's happening in my county, my town, my state. Nobody does. And I've stopped paying nope, attention. Exactly. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. You do what you're going to do, and I'll be tracking you on my phone. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show.